0: Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Would you like to see a movement of the Holy Spirit? Oh, you guys talk back, that's fine. Uh, Better yet, would you like to experience a movement of the Holy Spirit? Where? How? Your family? Your home church? Your life? Here at Boise Bible College. I don't know if you've been paying attention to what's happening in Kentucky right now, but there's a, a movement taking place in Asbury and surrounding universities, and what happened, um, there was a a mission speaker who came to a campus, and they dismissed chapel, and there was a a few students that were leading worship and they didn't stop for 15 days, day and night, night and day. Different worship teams would cycle out, and something unique happened. It's very part of our heritage. The Restoration Movement in Kentucky, if you've taken Restoration History, but a movement of God took place in the midst, and students would come and worship. They would go to class. They would come, and they started doing something really interesting. They started confessing their sins to one another. They sat before the Lord in silence. They danced. They sang, and word got out about this, and... People lined up to go into this chapel for seven to nine hours at a time. Reports are somewhere, and this is where it gets always sketchy with a revival. You never know what the reports are. And as Jonathan Edwards reminded us, keep your focus on the center. But word is there's somewhere around 100,000 people came to this little town in Wilmore, Kentucky. Why? People are hungry. They're, they're searching for something. They're, they're longing for, for God. Why would people fly from all around the world to, to experience this thing when there's churches everywhere? And I'm, I'm curious, I'm fascinated as I look at this, but as they took it to Kentucky, it spread. If you want to show the next slide. Uh, some students from Cedarville came down, and they took it back to their campus, and then they went to Ohio State University, 250 of them. They started sharing what God had done in their life. They were testifying sharing the good news of how Jesus had brought freedom to their life and the good news of who Jesus Christ is. It got down to Texas A&M. It's at Samford. It's been in Baylor. These kids that are in Texas A&M, they just started a prayer group around the water. And reports are in February in Texas. It's, it's a lot warmer than here. But kids are getting baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you like to see a movement of God's Holy Spirit? The thing about movements is you can't manufacture them, Right? It always starts with God. It ends with God. And that's why I came kind of awkward today. I was like, what, where, where are you ending at? And I was like, I, I don't know. Because I'm talking about something that I, I can't control. I can't manufacture. But we can pray for it, right? We can pray for God's influence in our life. We can pray for hunger. We can give God our availability. I wanna open your Bibles to Acts chapter 10 because there's another movement that we see. And I wanna begin with the end in mind. Uh, what takes place here in, in uh, Acts 10, 44. do you guys have an English Bible? Read with me if you do. It says, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, there's this day of Pentecost that happens that flows out of, um, onto the Gentiles in Acts 10. And it says that they begin doing something interesting. They heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter says, surely no one can stand in the way of these believers or them being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them. Would you pray with me? Lord, uh, you're an all-consuming wind an all-consuming fire, and we, we hunger for you. I, I love this campus. I love these students, and I want to pray that I would be less, that you would be more. And as we look at making ourselves available, and as you know, my brother Tweedy taught me this morning, that we can be a channel of your Holy Spirit, I thank you for that word. Would you... Would you make us channels of your spirit's movement? And we pray towards that in the name of Jesus. Amen. So how how do we make ourselves available? Uh, First thing I just want to say is we create space for God to interrupt our life. Go back into the text, chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. So this this guy Cornelius, it's part of his habit to be devoted to God, he has this great reputation. And in this, one of his practices, day in and day out, is just praying. And in this, he prays, he makes himself available to God. And something unique happens. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision and distinctly saw an angel of God who called him by name and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him like you're staring at me now. What is it, Lord? He prayed. Fast forward uh, a few chapters down, there's two different stories that are taking place. There's a story of Cornelius and there's a story of Peter. And about this, we see in verse nine, it's noon of the following day, And something happens when Peter is going out on the roof to pray. If you look at any major movement of God's Holy Spirit, it always began with prayer. And most of the time it happened with you guys, your age. Every single time throughout history. The Jesus Revolution, Jesus People Movement, the Haystack Meetings, the Cambridge Seven, the folks that that went with uh, William Tyndale. Most of the time, they're college students, and I, I come back to it over and over again. If we make ourselves available and I said it really specific, making time for God to interrupt our life. You know what we call that? Prayer. Before I came here, uh, I got this really fascinating email from a young lady, and she said, "You know this missions thing. I'm not sure how that really fits into my plans." I love her honesty, but does that, does that sound a little bit off? You know, so many times we come to God, we got our plans here, we have our schedules, we have our time frame, and there's things that God's waiting to say to us. Come, come up to the roof. I got, I got something for you. Come at 3 o'clock. Would you meet me? I, I got a message for you. But we miss him. You know, as you, you study what happened at uh, Asbury, there, there's a backstory to it. If you go back two years ago, 2020 uh, one, uh, one of the professors at Cedarville or Asbury, excuse me, he was driving to a youth conference and he sees this Asian man praying over the chapel with his hands wide. He didn't think anything of it, but you know that just kind of nudges him. What was that all about? So he, he turns his car around, he's going to be late for the the youth service, but he's like." I, I don't know, I'm just, I think I was supposed to go talk to that guy. And uh, finds out it's a man from Mongolia, that the Lord has spoken to him to come and pray for the students of Asbury, because there's a movement that he wanted to do. And so he came, a missionary from Mongolia, to a Bible college to pray for students to be used by God. I wonder what would happen if we made that commitment to pray things that we want to hear uh, from God. And that leads into our second point. If we want to make ourselves available uh, for a movement of God, if we want to be a channel. Do what he says. If you read what happens next, the angel told him, and said, your, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering. This steadfast life of faithfulness, going to class on time, doing excellence in your homework, being a person who shows up, those have come up to the Lord as a memorial offering. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner. So he sends them. And I I want you to really hear this when it comes to missionaries, because sometimes when missionaries come, um, and this happens many times, people feel really guilty when I speak, and I'm not not really sure because there's, I hope there's conviction. I hope I'm convicted, first and foremost. And If you guys come along for the ride, awesome. But there's, there's some people that are sent. And if God sends you, you send in faithfulness. You do what he says. So he hears this message, Cornelius. He's, he's a commander. He's, he knows what's to order people. He's told by the message of God to go send people. He calls two of his servants and one of his men. He says, go. You're going to go find us. They go. That's what servants do. They, they do what their master tells them to do. Go over to Peter's side of it. The Lord has a different message for Peter. So he sees this uh, sheep come down with all this food. You've heard this before, I'm sure. But it, the message that the Lord gives him is, do not call anything impure and unclean. The Lord is made clean. And three times this happens. And Peter, while he's thinking about this, the Holy Spirit speaks to him. Look at that in verse 19. The Spirit said, Simon, three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, do not hesitate, go with them, for I have sent them. Uh, In my work at Partner Bible Translators, my, my main job is to help people discern what to do with their life. And what I find more times than that, people have no idea how to do it. Uh, Sometimes they're given a good advice in a human perspective of making a a pro-cons list. But I want to challenge you. Do you think that holds up in the book of Acts? Should I get shipwrecked and, and beaten or should I stay in Joppa? Should I do what the Lord told me to do or should I have every religious leader try to stone me? It really doesn't work, right? But there's this obedience in and so many times people are like, well, how, how do you know if it's the Lord's voice? But I have a question for you. If we are in a crowded room and you heard your mom or dad speak, would you, would you recognize their voice? Maybe. It depends on how well you know your mom or dad, how, how much time you spent with them. Jesus says, I am the shepherd. My sheep know my voice. If you love me, you will do what I command and in this, Peter goes downstairs, he, he meets up with these guys, they show up, and you know, the thing about God's voice, that, you know, Arlen's topic, um, God's never going to bring shame when he speaks to you. He's never going to bring judgment, he's going to reflect his character. He's always going to bring hope, he's going to give you clarity, he's not going to bring you confusion, he's always going to be consistent with the word of God. Now something really cur- uh, curious in this text, he may challenge your interpretation of scripture, because walk your eyes down to verse 28. And Peter said to him, you're well aware that it's against the law for the Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. Now, wait a minute. Where, where did he get that at? This is Peter. He was there when Jesus associated with the Cyrene Phoenician women. He was there in Samaria. And I know they're not exactly Gentiles, but they're not 100% Jewish either. He, he was there when they went to these different places than Decapolis, he, he saw Jesus' interaction with uh, the people who had come from the, the centurion, and I think it comes from Deuteronomy 7, where God told the Israelites, when you go into the land of Canaan, do not intermarry. And I think it came from the oral tradition, but he took the really specific thing that he was saying to a specific context, and I think he missed something that God had told Abraham, through you, all nations will be blessed. He missed is his interpretation. And that's why it's so important to study God's word in community. I'm afraid to step. Is that me? Okay. Um, It's why it's so important to study scripture in community and remember scripture by scripture what God has said. And, And the third point here that we come to is something really fascinating. If you keep reading Sorry, uh, go to verse 33. So Cornelius goes and he gathers all of his family, and he says, "We are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded." I just want to ask you, what would that look like if we, if we came to the posture of humility? It's the most important principle of exegesis, is humility and obedience. If you, you ask God to speak. You put yourself to interrupt when he actually tells you something, you do it. And Cornelius, he, he comes and he gathers all his family, and they, they hold it out. But you know, there there's some unsung people in this text. Did you see him? Did you see this guy, Simon the Tanner, who opened up his home? What about this cook that was cooking while Peter was up on the roof? You know, something I, I told Steve uh, Chef Steve says, "Steve, thank you for your ministry to us. Because of your cooking, I get to go preach, and we get to have a teaching in class. Without you, we'd have a lot of hungry students. And sometimes those folks get, they don't always get a lot of attention. What about these servants who go? You know, right now in the Bible translation movement, you know where our biggest hurt is? It's it's glue people that do what God says, that serve, that come and they cook, they do logistics, they do administration." people that just show up and are willing to do everything they commanded. And moving on here to verse three, Peter then responds. He says, I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And so we come to our third point of how do we make ourselves available? Live like Jesus with impartiality. It's the theme of your chapel. Some of you may wonder like, do I really fit in here? You do. I want to speak that truth over you with a blessing. God has brought you here for a reason, for a purpose. God, as he's looking here, it's, he, he isn't a person of, of partiality. He's a God of impartiality. And something that's really fun in this text is in that, that Peter, there's, there's a joke that God does here. Did you guys catch it? So you have... Peter who's in Jaffa supposed to go to the Gentiles. You guys remember where Jaffa's at? What's the story behind Jaffa? The first time it appears in the Bible? Jonah. Jonah was at Jaffa to go to the Ninevites. Simon, son of Jonah, is supposed to go to the Gentiles. It's the story of God's heart, why he won the Ninevites, why he wanted these people. It's the story of why he wants to go to the unreached peoples of the world. My uh, life was changed when I came to a chapel like this one. A lady named Marilyn Lazlo was a Bible translator, and she told this story that wrecked my life. Absolutely ruined it. I made myself available, and I came to chapel, and it ruined the whole trajectory of my life in a good way. So Marilyn was a Bible translator in Papua New Guinea, and one day, these men showed up with gangrene in their legs. They were told there's a white lady down that mountain stream where that light is. If you, sailed, if you take your boats along the riverside, go to where that lady's at, she'll help you get medical help. So these men come there, and they see Bible translation taking place. And they're, they're just fascinated. And it takes a while to get gangrene healed, right? And as they're getting back into their canoes several weeks later, one of the guys asked Marilyn an important question. You know what he asked? Will you come translate the Bible for us? And she said, Well, you know, I'm, I've already committed to the Seepik Iwams. It's a 30 year commitment. And I would love to come visit you, but I'm committed to these guys. And the man heard this, and uh, he asked an important question Marilyn, does God speak my language? What was he really asking? Do I matter? Am I important enough for God to come and translate? Are you important? Am I important enough for you to come to my village? Well, she's already committed to the Sepik Iwans, and this is a long trip up in the mountains. She said, I'll, I'll come and visit. So it's like a year later, they, she comes back up, and this time she sees, looks like a church in the middle of town. So she asked him, has there been an evangelist to translator, a missionary come? He's like, no, we were in your village. We saw people worshiping God in a building like this, one. when we thought, It was show Papa God that we're now ready to receive his word too. And now we're just waiting, just waiting. That lady walked off the stage and that's how she ended that story. And I'm sitting there, I was the van driver and I I just looked at her and I was like, somebody's gotta go to those people. Sitting three chairs down was my future wife and she said, I'm gonna go to those people. So God, in a chapel service, said, here's your ministry, here's your wife, don't be a knucklehead. Two out of three is not bad, right? But in this, uh, the story goes on that Peter, he then tells them, he says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, verse 36. And he says, you know how God has... Happened throughout the area. What's wild is Cornelius already knows the story. You guys ever catch that before? This isn't the first time he's heard of Jesus. The whole region knows. They're in Caesarea, Maritime. It's not very far away, it's, it's a day's walk. Everybody knows this story. <laughs> so, why did it not change him? Well, there's a difference in knowing the story and witnessing the story. Okay? As I close out a message here, I've been debating all week how to close this, and um, I decided to go with the message I heard you guys say in prayer in our spiritual formation class. Peter tells the story of Jesus, and as we were praying, Lord, is there a message you want to hear from Boise Bible College? This is what the student body heard from God. Freedom. I have come to give you freedom, Boise Bible College. Freedom from past sin. It's not your sin that defines you. I have set you free. Be intentional. Don't hold back. Remember the the rainbow and the ark, my faithfulness. I am the one who makes an everlasting covenant with you. I will be with you. Do you remember my word? Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Remember the joy of being with me. I cause my people to rest. Your work is not in vain. Faculty, administrators, pastors, servants, your work is not in vain. We have a choice. We can pour out the cup that is toxic or we can hold on to it if you hold on to that toxic cup and not empty yourself, I will not be able to come in. I have come to set you free. Ask for help. My help is available. Remember, I am the Lord. I comfort those who mourn. My comfort is available. Get yourself ready. Dwell in my word and remember delight greatly in me, for I am an everlasting joy. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church, where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.